You're listening to ReachMD on XM233, the channel for medical professionals. And this is the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholz. Well, we are all basically familiar with the general roles and responsibilities of the emergency physician. Likewise, we can say the same for the general cardiologist. But what about the advent of the emergency cardiologist? Is there room for a subspecialty devoted to acute cardiac therapy? Or should this role be kept exclusive to its parental fields? Addressing this question with me today is Dr. Frank Peacock. Dr. Peacock is Chairman of Emergency Preparedness at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation. He's also the Medical Director of Event Medicine, as well as Vice Chief of Research in the Department of Emergency Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Peacock, welcome to our program. So given all of your responsibilities with the Cleveland Clinic, where does emergency cardiology fall for you? You know, emergency cardiology is sort of a concept we've been working on uh, in the last several years. It's not really been well-defined, but it, it is an area of patient care that everybody who works in either one of those fields, emergency medicine or cardiology, clearly understands in that those first few hours of diagnosis and treatment have such profound impact for a patient's long-term outcome that they are critical. And as we have developed sophistication and increased ability in our delivery systems, you know, as emergency medicine has matured, we have developed areas of subspecialty. And this has become one that we've really chosen to target. The clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, is known for its cardiac reputation. And so it became a really important one for us to have additional expertise in management. And to all those patients, if you want to turn that back into the patient world, it's all those patients who come in with a potential critical diagnosis in a time-dependent fashion. So obviously it's myocardial infarction and that evaluation. It's heart failure and all the evaluation associated with that. It's arrhythmia management and all those issues associated with that. And so that extends further into the field of cardiology, but it's really those things where we want early diagnosis, prompt intervention, and interface with the cardiologist so that it's a smoothest transition from the ambulance, from the guy in his living room having an MI, all the way up through to the cath lab to his post-cardiac care. That is something that emergency medicine does have leverage on. We have better communications and relationships with EMS. And whereas we've seen the the care of, of MI go from the CCU a decade ago to the chest pain unit, it's not moving out of there. It's going to the living room where we talk about the ability to give lytics, thrombolytic therapy for acute myocardial infarction where the patient sits as opposed to transferring them to the ER and then to the cath lab and and all those time delays. So it's going to be very interesting as as we move forward. Emergency docs are going to have to let go of the close management of this, but it's going to be for the betterment of the patient. Is emergency cardiology a kind of systems analysis or extension of what some hospitals call care pathways or Is this an autonomous training program for the emergency department physicians and staff? I would say it's sort of both. It does involve a lot of care pathways and getting the team together to prioritize and set the agenda, but it's also about developing its own body of literature. And I think that if you want to move a field forward, you have to do that. And so we've worked pretty hard at that in terms of publications, but we've also started a fellowship called Emergency Cardiology Research. And Um, We're going to take our first fellow this year, and their job is going to be to produce, to help in producing the body of literature to make this a unique training pathway. And really, it's going to initially focus on emergency physicians more, but ultimately, if it's successful, it's going to be an opportunity for emergency medicine, cardiology, internal medicine, family practice, all those specialties that are responsible for caring of the patient during their acute event. So it's, it's going to be a acute heart therapy. And hopefully it won't be specialty based, but will really sort of break down the walls involving nurses and paramedics and 
we're going to be holding our first conference, you know, someday in the future here where we can, we've had conferences in the past. Um, we, we're trying to expand on that. We have our first book out on uh, emergency cardiology. So we really are trying to get the body of literature and the resource base established as a new specialty. It seems like two questions come to mind then. First, when we speak about breaking down boundaries between specialties here, I can imagine more than a few turf wars developing, at least initially, as to who gets control over where patients go or what treatment approaches are decided on. Um, so who, how does one address that, I should say? And second, by extension, what types of outcome measures can you develop and employ to get a metric of success for this subspecialty? Turf wars are always an issue. And we saw this with lytics. When lytics first came out, you know, 15 years ago, you had to have a cardiologist do it. And only a cardiologist was skilled enough to know when patients needed it. Well, we realized that when you did that, what that was is a guaranteed time delay. And we were losing the most important thing that patient had, which was the first few hours of their MI. So they moved to the ER. And ER docs took them over. And now emergency docs use more lytics than anybody else. But you know what you're seeing now is we realize that the first hour is the most important hour, and we're going to need to put them into the field where people can use them at this point of care, not in the ER. So emergency docs are going to have to give those up. This is a natural handing down of care from the CCU to the ER to the field, and that's the appropriate way to go. If we get caught up in turf wars, the person who suffers here is our patient. And so that's an important facet of emergency cardiology is the breaking down of walls between specialties, getting people to work as a team is much more effective for the patient. And, you know, I'm going to be a patient someday. I want it to work right. And the other question you asked is one of metrics. What kind of outcome measures are we using? And we're using the same standard metrics that everybody else uses, mortality at 30 days, revisits at 30 days, how, uh, you know, compliance with the Joint Commission, that's still what you have to do. You know, ultimately, we all have to be responsive to regulatory and legal agencies. And so those are the kind of metrics that we're using, just like the rest of medicine would use. If you get treatment for your MI early, you do better. You have a greater percentage of people surviving. If you get treatment for your heart failure early, you have decreased mortality, 30-day revisits, shorter length of stay within the hospital, all the standard outcomes. Now, these are new areas. Heart failure has been very poorly studied in terms of early treatment having benefit, but you know it's clearly the case. We've demonstrated that several times. So as this goes on, getting cardiology and emergency medicine on board in these areas provides a great opportunity for the patient. When you mention changes in responsibility, I think a lot of listeners will naturally wonder how this impacts or transfers physician liability. So is there some resistance to moving additional liability to another department or to the EMTs in this case? Yeah, there is always resistance when you do something new. But I think what you have to show is in good, methodologically sound, randomized controlled trials, that the increase in risk, and I, you, know, you have to agree there is some increase in risk, is offset by a benefit that exceeds that risk. And so consequently, the patients do better overall. Now, this is something we wrestle with all the time now. A perfect example is thrombolytics for stroke, where there is clearly a risk associated with that. And in selected populations, there is clearly a huge benefit. And so you use standard metrics to make a risk-benefit analysis. The risk is outweighed by the benefit, then you go forward. If it's not, you don't do that. And so these interventions have stood up to standard risk-benefit analysis and the outcome benefits from early lytics in the first hour after symptoms are 80 lives saved per thousand. If you want to compare that to the outcome benefits of lytics at three hours, you know, you're dealing with 10 lives saved per thousand. So there is clearly 
an advantage to early intervention that supersedes standard therapy. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD on XM233, the channel for medical professionals. This is Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Frank Peacock, who's chairman of emergency preparedness at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation. We're talking about emergency cardiology as an evolving subspecialty in our medical institutions today. Now, Dr. Peacock, returning to our discussion on responsibility and liability, how do you address those emergency med physicians and cardiologists on changing the nature of their practice so as to accommodate a new integrative field such as emergency cardiology? Yeah, so what you're talking about is the culture of change. How do you get practice changes? There's critical mass. There is literature that has to be done. How do you move it to standard therapy so that physicians feel that this is the right thing to do? We've been working with the Society for Chest Pain. This is a society specifically formed to work up the acute coronary syndrome patient. And the, the society then has sort of morphed into chest pain centers as being their role, and that has morphed into including heart failure. So it's really becoming the rapid and diagnostic and evaluation and treatment society of cardiovascular issues. And that society is, is in the process of gathering their own research and getting that published to uh, developing care paths, and they have a very extensive care path uh, system because when that has been signed off on by 200 emergency physicians and cardiologists, that takes on some credibility of its own. Everybody worries about the liability, and to be honest, I worry less about that and more about the specific patient that's in front of me. But from a liability perspective, and that, that provides you a significant amount of protection. We have a care path that we went on. Um, we did this and that, and the patient you know, did not have an optimal outcome. But uh, you have 200 physicians behind you in the care path, so it becomes you know, under the mantra of standard care. Now, getting to that requires huge amounts of data to get to the point where you have guidelines that are, that are accepted by consensus. And we're pretty much you know, moving down that road in this area. So let's talk about that road you're moving down a little bit. As part of the Cleveland Clinic, you're publishing data with respect to emergency cardiology. Tell our listeners about some of those studies. Well, there's a couple areas we've looked at. One has been heart failure, which really does not have a deep literature base in acute care. Most of the heart failure literature we have is taken from chronic literature. In other words, patients get ACE inhibitors for six months, and we apply that to emergency medicine and say, oh, yeah, in the first two hours you should get an ACE inhibitor. Well, there's no data to support those kind of conjectures. In fact, there is hardly any data to support that emergency care even matters in heart failure. So one of the things that we have done is to first establish that early treatment has an outcome benefit, and we are able to show that patients who get early vasoactive therapy and decompensated heart failure presented to the emergency department have a significant mortality reduction. They have fewer invasive procedures, shorter hospitalization, less ICU admissions, shorter ICU hospitalization length of stay. So across the board, you know, it seems intuitive that, well, if they're sick and you treat them early, they do better. We know that about MI. We know that about pneumonia. Why wouldn't it be the case with heart failure? And it is the case with heart failure. Early treatment is, is advantageous. However, if you look at what really happens and for this, I use the ADHERE registry, which is 200,000 patients all admitted with heart failure. You'll find that about 13% of them were admitted from the ER with no treatment whatsoever. Well, that's somewhat astounding. You got admitted to the hospital and got nothing. That is an issue. I mean, if you're sick enough to be in the hospital, you should be admitted with treatment. Uh, some of that 13% is due to misdiagnosis, where we think it's pneumonia. You're not going to use a heart failure treatment for some of you thought had pneumonia. And so that brings us to the second piece of this, which is the early diagnosis piece, to institute early aggressive treatment, you have to have the diagnosis and it has to be correct. And so we've done quite a bit of work using biomarkers. 
five years ago, people told you there's a hormone you could measure to diagnose heart failure. They'd laugh at you. Nowadays, it's a standard of care. We're using, uh, currently doing research with a S3 monitor. This is a device that allows you to detect the S3. The specificity is in the high 90s. If you hear the S3, they have heart failure. If you don't hear it, the sensitivity is not so hot. It's about 35, 40% range. But if you put that in terms of a physician, doctors, even you know, top-of-the-line cardiologists who've got lots of experience, miss most of the S3s that are there. So we're using that as an early diagnosis tool and treatment of heart failure patients. Well, I want to thank Dr. Frank Peacock, Chairman of Emergency Preparedness and Vice Chief of Research in the Department of Emergency Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. As always, we do look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening.